0: You're listening to PGT Business and Motivation. This week, we have a very exciting episode for you. It's something we've been wanting to do from the start of this podcast. And that is an interview with John and Cynthia, the founders of Sir Robin of Loxley Gin.
1: Yep, this is a pretty exciting episode. We went down to uh, Portland Works in Sheffield last week. And we kind of had a tour around the distillery facilities and see what kind of setup they've got there. We visited a couple of years ago, actually, with the Portland Works Open Day. And back at the time, they kind of just set out and they just started up. And now they are starting to expand into their second building. And that, in fact, is a building that we all kind of crowded around a stepladder in <laughs> with the microphone set up and conducted this interview.
0: Yeah. yeah. And we also got to try some of their new gins that are coming. So keep an eye.
1: Oh, absolutely. Keep you an and eye on the website hopefully next month i think it is next
0: month i'm very excited i'll
1: definitely be keeping an eye out to pick those up
0: definitely just before we go if there's anybody any founders of cool businesses that you'd like us to chat to send us a message you can find me at pretty green tea on twitter instagram facebook everywhere
1: (laughs) and you can find me at gadgetoid on twitter
0: okay i hope you enjoy
1: today's episode indeed enjoy
0: we're here at Portland Works, and we're with John and Cynthia, the founders of Sir Robin of Loxley Gin. Uh, welcome to the PGT podcast. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks you. for coming
2: down again. It's oh. good to see you.
0: Hey, it's really nice to sort of come and see your new space. I yeah. think last time we were here, you were just in the process of starting to get the distillery in place.
2: Yeah, we were, yeah. It's been a long, I wouldn't say uphill struggle or battle. It's not, it's not really been a battle, but bumpy, bumpy yeah. Yeah, it's definitely... Uh, some interesting curveballs come at you when you... But it's, it's the same for any new business, I think. It's not just uh, setting up a distillery. But then if you are dealing with alcohol, there is added bureaucracy, shall we say. So Yeah, yeah I can fun.
0: imagine. Um, yeah. Well, it's looking fantastic. Yeah, it's getting there, and, thank And um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for the unfortunate people who don't know and haven't tried your lovely gin yet?
2: Yeah, so my name's John Cherry. I am the uh, distiller and uh, co-owner of of Distilling. We, uh, at the moment, just make one gin at Sir Robin of Loxley, which we designed as a sipping gin around about five years ago before this whole crazy gin resurgence had had really kicked in. So, you know, we were in the right place at the right time. Very fortuitous that it has happened uh, and projected us along the route, probably a little bit faster than we anticipated. Uh, You know, if you look at um, what we're doing now, I think we're probably a couple of years ahead of the numbers that we're actually hitting which is great. Uh I think we'd have got there anyway because the gin that we the first gin that we've made was designed as a sipping gin which there wasn't really anything out there 5 years ago that you could drink like that. So that would have I think given it that overall success eventually, but it it, it would have taken longer had the, the you know the current um kind of renaissance of of the gin world not not kicked in. So definitely very serendipitous. Even good
1: luck by being kind of ahead of your game and also the right timing.
2: Yeah, totally. And I, I'd not anticipated it. You know, it was, um, I'd kind of seen it in the States because I, 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 I lived in France for eight years and then America for eight years. My wife, she's American. Um, <laughs> and um, the, the, the laws in the States were, were kind of uh, relaxed probably five or eight years ahead of the U.K., so you could see the craft distilling scene following the american craft brewing scene oh, yes. you know and both going you know up steep curves you know separated by about five or six years uh, apart and, and having seen the uh, the brewing scene taking off over here it was only really a kind of natural logical time sequence before craft distilling would kick in as well so i didn't know it was going to be gin that was going to you know blow up which happened to be I happen to be very passionate about anyway and and one of the things that we wanted to make first of all but that was uh, coincidental really more than anything else I was
0: going to say why gin over any other spirit
2: um the licensing is easier you know there's multiple reasons of it but first of all the logistics of the licensing has has a has a thing to play in it because you don't need a full distiller's license to make gin you can have a a Rectifiers Compounders Licence. So we don't make our own base alcohol, we buy a base alcohol in. If we had a full distiller's licence, we would be able to make that rather than go out to buy it uh, from an alcohol wholesaler. And is um, that the
3: goal? To Do you want to...
0: Eventually. It? Yeah.
2: Um, but that's, uh, you know, baby steps to get that licensing in place. But
3: Having a second unit was important to that. You have to have two separate units to create the alcohol and then to yeah. store the alcohol. Oh, that's really interesting.
0: Yeah. We're actually recording in your new second it's, unit, aren't we? Yeah. So yeah
2: which is uh, which is a big step logistically anyway so it, it gives us that option to go down the whisky route or you know distilling your own base so that we can do everything from, from kind of grain to glass if you like which is kind of the current trend or the way the current trend is going in, in distilling so hopefully we'll get there eventually but you know it's uh, you can become a little bit of a victim of your own success to some extent because you know if you suddenly start selling really tons of stuff you've got to produce it and then Carry on making you it. End up and, playing and, catch up, yeah, you're constantly yeah. catching up. And back yeah. Orders and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I mean that's been the you know for, for us it's been five years of catching up really.
1: Mm. Still um, <laughs> every night. You
2: know there was me <laughs> on my own five years ago. We've now got five full time staff and then about four part time staff for events and um, you know distillery work and that kind of thing that come in and help Sales. out as well. Sales. Have you had to train um,
0: people up or? Yeah, yeah. Do they come to you?
2: Uh, it so, uh, so It's a whole mixed bag, really, because there, it's, there, there's no, to working here, there's no one fixed thing that you have to do. You have to be a master of all trades, really, uh, and wear lots of different caps throughout the day. You know, from you know, from doing marketing, sales, design work, uh, all the way through to distilling. to peeling events, fruit. To peeling fruit, yeah. You know. <laughs> So we all muck in and do little bits uh, of everything, really. Flexibility
1: um, is the most important quality. Yeah. I think to hear that applies to kind of your business as much as it does any other small business. Yeah, I mean, so. it's,
2: yeah, I think any small business you've got to have that element of flexibility to be successful. Um, right. You know, you can't outsource everything all the time. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. You can't, with, afford, with, to you can't afford to as a small That's business a small outsource business. everything all the time. So, so our Initial goal was to start making a gin and then, you know, gradually uh, grow on that and build a portfolio of, of, of spirits, not just other gins. But, I mean, I'm hugely passionate about gin, always dr- have been. And my gran, you know, introduced me to it when I was probably younger than I should have been. Uh, I think we
0: all, I think we all have
2: that. <laughs> my story. grandma
0: introduced it to me. She? And, yeah. and then my mum drank it as well and, yeah, I, I tried yeah. it when I was...
2: Well, I, used say, I used to say, I used to my, my grand, when I was about fifteen, sixteen, fish and chips every Saturday, and watch. Uh, I'm showing sure my age. Uh, World of Sport. We used to watch the horse racing and the wrestling, our like giant haystacks. <laughs> Just and big you and your grand. Yeah. I yeah. love that. That's uh, lovely. And she'd have a she'd have a gin and orange. You know, when I think she thought I was old enough, she'd let me dip the finger and have a taste, and and I've always enjoyed it and, and liked it, and I've, I've, I've enjoyed drinking it throughout this whole thing you know it's back I'm talking that's like 1985 86 so back then there wasn't even you know Bombay Sapphire didn't exist Bombay did but the, the company did but the, the Sapphire edition didn't uh-huh. so I think I was about 16 uh, 17 or 18 when that came out and I was like wow that's the cool thing so <laughs> oh, I wow. was like it was kind of slightly different uh, gin that had uh, come out for, for a long time
3: shook up the gin world it did it's totally shook up yeah. sh- yeah. the gin world
2: yeah so it was um you know, I'd uh, go out with my mates who'd be drinking pints of beer, and I get to about three or four pints. And just say, oh, the volume of it uh, didn't didn't really interest me too much. So mm. I'd s- switch over to to a G and T, and they all thought it was all right, right weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> did did
0: any of them try it? Oh, I think what? probably
2: a few of them did after they'd seen me at it for for a year or two. You know, just uh, you know, but there was. Um, it wasn't a young man's drink no. for sure. And it's funny how you it's know, come it's, full uh, circle Absolutely, now. Yeah. You know, we we just did the launch for the new bottle a few weeks ago, and watching the demographic on various social media platforms was really interesting. Uh, and it was getting more hits from 20, nineteen to twenty-four-year-old men. We were than smashing things, else. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. I mean, you smashed the bottle, but yeah. but the whole interest in gin, I think, has uh, has gone full circle, and it's now. I don't think you can really put your finger on one one particular age group or yeah. one gender or no, you know it's across not. the board, you know, it's um but like anything it's subjective. You know, it's down to personal preference and taste and yeah. some people aren't gonna like it, but I don't think it really matters whether it's a, a man or a woman or you know a we were year old in, or an eighteen year old. Yeah, we like.
0: were in Sentinel Brewery. Yeah. Um and I had a gin and all these football blokes came in and one of them asked me to take a picture of them and he was like, oh, what, what are you drinking? Which gin is that? And I was like, I told him. And he was like, oh, I'm really into my gins now. He's like, I'm off to get another one. And he, was just, <laughs> and he had his, his big, like, balloon glass. and right. yeah. And, but it, I mean, I know you shouldn't stereotype, but the way he looked and You're everything, you wouldn't... Yeah, expect yeah. him to have a pint. Yeah. Um, but I think that just shows it definitely has yeah. totally come full circle from people yeah. being like, what, what are you drinking? I mean, even when I was... 18, which was quite a while ago, but I found that none of my friends would drink gin. Everyone was like, why are you ordering gin? What's wrong with like a Blue Wicked? That was yeah. the drink at the time. Blue yeah. Wicked and maybe vodka soda or vodka Red Bull. Yeah. But I definitely got funny looks at that point.
3: Yeah, I mean, what about know. in America? Is, is? I don't think gin is as massive there as it is here. I think their craft distilling scene came on sooner than ours, but the explosion that's happened here, I don't think it's quite this I think it's coming on now and I think with it's followed the cocktail scene as opposed to being the gin and tonic I mean here it's still primarily gin and tonics and there are people getting more and more into cocktails but I think the cocktail scene particularly in New York City gin-based cocktails just became Mm -hmm. the fashion again you know back to prohibition era cocktails and obviously the Negroni is everybody's favorite now and it has been for a while so I think that's why the gin thing is kind of coming on more now and you've there. got a really
0: good selection of cocktails on your website as well haven't you are they, yes. they're your creations uh, a lot of um, them are my
3: creations a yeah. lot of them are collaborations or inspired by other things uh i used to bartend in new york and on a slow day i liked to experiment and i like to cook and i like to mix up flavors so when i see an ingredient i don't recognize i want to see if i can turn it into something Interesting, yeah. And I like a lot of uh, herbs as garnishes and herbs in cocktails. So that's the the thing that I bring okay. to the cocktails. almost all the cocktails have some sort of herby note in there. And it's killing me not to say her- herb. How herb. do I say it? Herb. It's <laughs> herb, <laughs> 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 hoping
0: you'd say herb. Is, is there a particular food that goes well with gin? Then
2: I think it's uh, I think it's just generally food, food friendly. I don't think it depends. You know, the mixer uh, has an impact on it. Whether you're drinking it neat or I one of our so. cocktails
3: goes really well with curry, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's got I coriander it's under in it. It's mm-hmm. called the um, what's it called? What's the? It's the Golden the Snitch. Fish oh. Fish oh. Fish oh. Fish we tried that on one, did you? Did yeah, you I make think.
0: It? Well, I haven't made it yet, but I do want to. But we tried it when we came to Portland Works <gasps> oh, the other right, year, right, and it right, was right. really good. Okay, yeah. Yeah. we'll link that in the uh, show notes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, the coriander. That works with it.
2: Yeah, it works with the curry. It's you uh know, gin is one of those adaptable spirits. It depends on how you're drinking it, but you can have it as Peritif, mm. digestive with a meal, however you want mm. it. You know, it's um, different foods it will go with. It depends on the gin, and then it depends on the mixer yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, and the garnish. You know, but, um,
3: martini and a steak dinner. I, love,
2: I, I like gin and blue cheese. <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe it's me having a weird palate or something. I don't know, but it's, mm. um, yeah, gin and cheese. In the States, in, in New York, uh, our gin is in a cheese restaurant where they actually make and uh, age their own cheese. Um, oh, wow, that's fantastic.
1: Artisanal?
2: Artisanal, yeah. And they do cheese and spirits or gin pairings, uh, evenings. So you can go down into the cellar where they're ageing the cheeses and, and they didn't have a cheese pairing. That sounds that's like a lot of fun. Gin cheese That sounds yeah, like a lot of cool, fun, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. It's better than gin. Do you have, yeah, to, so go, do you have um, to go over regularly to check
3: out? <laughs> <laughs> it's all okay. I <laughs> haven't actually been back in two been a two years. we it's been
2: um, yeah. Get booked. Yeah. But, yeah, it's food-friendly. it. Just I mean, that's part of the fun of uh, drinking, is Experimentation. trying stuff with different... Yeah. Um...
0: Okay, so if we can just, like, flip back to the beginning of your story, how did you find your first stockist?
2: First stockist was actually um, before we'd even moved back to the UK. So we were... I, I'd not got a job. We were talking about moving back to the, the UK in the summer of 2011 and 2012. Uh, and it became more reality in the summer of 2012, about the same time as the Olympics was, was in London. Uh, and on that trip, we were back for two or three weeks.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was going around different wine stores. And I was in the wine and spirits industry in the States, uh, just seeing if there was anything that I could relate to in terms of getting work when we finally moved back. The gin idea of setting up a distillery, we talked about a little bit, but it wasn't a definite thing yet. At that point, but I was going around talking to a lot of Sheffield, Vintners, you know John Mitchell, Adrian, Adrian Walsh, and uh, a few other people, just trying to figure out, you know, if I could come back and make a living or not. But also, we were talking about the possibility of doing, you know, flavors and gins and things like that. So, I think really John Mitchell was up at Meadowhead was was the first person that really kind of expressed an interest he thought it was a bit of a strange chap you know what do you mean you're (laughs) going to set up a distillery Uh, you know he thought it was an odd thing to do which which back then it probably was because it hadn't happened you know there was Sipsmith there was William Chase and that was really it I'm not yeah. going to be
3: able to sell it for more than £30.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's no, like
3: you've got to figure out a way to come down on that. I'm not going to be able to sell a gin for more than £30.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and it's now their best-selling gin. And, you know, on, in, last Christmas I got a phone call one day and they'd, so I think they'd sold 57 bottles of our gin in one day.
3: Oh, wow. And, and he,
2: he couldn't believe it, you know, cool. even back in the 70s and 80s when Gordon's was going out by the case, you know, they'd not hit those levels of sales and it was selling at 35 quid or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so he was um, he was blown sideways. Yeah, but so really, um, we were talking about it to our first customers about six months before we even came back to set the distillery up. Uh, you know, in halfway through 2012, and it's um, they're still our best customers, uh, yeah. and it's nice that we've got that contact with them, even though we've grown and we have you know a slightly different distribution network. Now we still go in and we still work very closely with them because it's our. They're bread and all butter. local as well. They're all local, and, yeah. and it's our bread and butter. You know? Yeah. We know, if we can work with people in Sheffield and they respect what we're doing, and be successful at selling it themselves, then you know, I think that is a great uh, is great as a new business, as a young business, to to have that kind of contact with people who are helping you. And it's also for new products; it gives us some idea as well because you can go and taste people on things and. You know, see what they like and yeah, you know, yeah. get a feel for it. So, mm. so yeah, it's, uh, it's important. I mean, Sheffield is a really good trial ground because if you can't do it in Sheffield, you know. Sheffield, I think, is great in some respects. Sometimes it's a little bit behind, you know, trends, but by being a little bit behind, it means you can pick the best things mm. out of lots of different things. That's so true. And also, I find that Sheffielders don't suffer mediocrity lightly. You know, yeah. if it's crap, they're, they're going yeah. to tell you.
3: Yeah, <laughs> they'll buy a bottle because it's local. For the first bottle, they'll buy because it it's local, yeah. but they're yeah. not buying a second bottle. They're buying a second bottle out of loyalty because they've fallen in love with the brand. Yeah, have I you found know. that a lot
0: of people will so, repeat will buy from you, like you said, because you're local and they like to support independent
3: businesses, Sheffield-based. Yeah, a first bottle, but they yeah. aren't. I don't think Sheffielders will continue to support you if you if like. You said good. it's mediocrity is not gonna
2: do it for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it is a great trial ground for that. So if you know if you, you know if you've done something well here or it's succeeded here then everywhere else is going to be a walk in the park. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so, you know, which is, Love really, you which is yeah. <laughs> I don't I know I, th- I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a great yeah. thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, why, you know, why why should we have Absolutely. Absolutely. Poor stuff. Yeah.
3: There's
2: so much yeah. good stuff. Yeah.
0: I think Sheffield is a great place for like setting up a business for the reasons that you were saying, but also just the community spirit of how everyone likes to support one another. Absolutely. And there is a lot of interesting independent businesses. I feel like you have to dig a little deeper to find them than you do, say, in Manchester's Northern Quarter or in Cambridge or London, because there seems to be a lot of noise about places there, whereas I feel like everything's a little bit hidden away here. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely a great a great place for independent
2: Yeah, I'm to standing a testament to that at the
3: moment. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Portland so works. why Portland Works? Why? How did you end up here?
2: Totally accidentally, actually. We were... we Well, we incorporated the company at the start of 2013 when we moved back, and we'd already fallen in love with the name Loxley. It's part of Sheffield's heritage, folklore and, and history, you know, um, Loxley Valley and the Loxley family. And... That's where we wanted to be, but we couldn't find a commercial space in Lotley Valley at all. So, um, so we kind of I was really not I didn't have any clue where I wanted to be. And uh, my parents are both artists, and they have friends who got in fact our, our, our space upstairs. Uh, and they are uh, the, there were six artists in the two studios where, where we are now, um, and I'd kind of um been into various open studios and things like that so I knew of Portland Works and I knew the regeneration it had gone through in terms of turning it into a community owned uh, business to, to you know to help keep its, its survival guaranteed um, so it was a dead interesting place to be but I didn't know there was anything here so once we couldn't find anything in lo- Loxley I came down here and saw Colin who was the, the, the buildings manager here just popped in totally randomly and he was like yeah this space is going it would be awesome to have a distillery in here Let me see if the board will approve it then. Yeah, see if the board will will approve it, you know, because you have to be able to make something. So The the general criteria in it is you have to be a maker of some sort. Um, And they agreed it relatively quickly, and and we signed on the dotted line. And Bailey had just signed the next studio as well, so it was kind of very accidental. I ended up in the space that my parents' friends had as a studio for a long, long period of time, so... That's lovely, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah full circle, and it's uh, it's a wicked home. It's, yeah, it's amazing. It's got soul
3: um, and character.
2: Lots of idiosyncrasies. <laughs> but then you know if, you, if you're going to work in a in a Victorian cutlery factory, it's going to have things that you know come your way, and it's, it is you know it's a it's a good community. We do all get on, um, mm-hmm. and you know it's a it's a really vibrant place to to have a home. We've grown. Obviously, you know we've now moved into our second space here. The logistics of doing stuff upstairs has changed. You know, certainly over the last two years, um, we used to contract the bottling out, and we've used several companies in the past. But the whole QC side of things was problematic. Um, you know, we go full circle really from start to finish with both companies that we used, and you start to see after two years with the last company, the same errors creeping in that they should have ironed out 18 months prior to that, or did iron out prior to that, you know, and they're coming back in again. These are very high accredited companies that we're talking about who do lots of high quality stuff, but they, you know, things were not quite right. So we'd always wanted to bottle here. uh, But logistically, we didn't think we could because we're on the second or first floor. Yeah, being upstairs. Uh, But it got to a point where we were spending so long QCing stock that was coming through back from our bond. Yeah, so we had um, to take it
3: upstairs anyway, so we thought we might as well take we the bottle well so we do, do it. So
2: yeah. around this time last year, we we, uh, we got a problematic batch that we were accusing, and I just said, you yeah, know, well, it doesn't matter. We're we bringing it up logistically. We'll, we'll find a way around it, but we've got to get on with it ourselves and do it. So we invested more money in, in more equipment and uh, and brought everything in-house and took on more staff to help. You know, so that's a big step that... Initially, as a setup, we wouldn't have been able to do. But as a, at that point, you know, a four-year-old business, we were, you know, because we had some reserve financial reserve, a little bit, not a massive amount, um, but you know. And the
3: cost of hiring somebody to bottle.
2: Inside, yeah, rather, was, rather, rather than rather outsourcing it. So, it, so you know, um, I kind of did the maths <coughs> on figuring out how much we'd spend outsourcing it a year, and what it would cost to to invest in the year to to bring it in house. Um, so we did. Uh, which led us on to here. You know, we got uh, we got about three months into bottling. I think upstairs, and like uh, if we, if, you know, if we carry on growing at 30% a year to 50% a year, which is what we're seeing um, consistently, then this is how many bottles we're going to be doing in two, three years' time. We need,
1: And that's going to be every day, just putting loading glass on You were explaining the process of getting the empty glass bottles up and into Mm. the building, which sounded contrived enough as it is. How do you get the filled ones back down?
3: Well, they're not going out at the same rate, so we're bringing in two full pallets of glass in one day, but they're going out as ordered, and they're going out in cases. So we have a cage that we stack the cases in, and then that hoist and winch, we lower it down, but it's only, you know, once every two weeks we have 100 cases going out at one time so we can put in the cage 23 cases at a time yeah. lower those down start one person could be down stacking them on the pellet while another person is getting the cage back upstairs and loading that again but usually it's not 100 cases going out every, it's not it's every day cases, it's yeah says, yeah.
2: Um, yeah it's a logistical issue but you know when you when you're in a home that's as awesome as this you've got to make it work you know yeah. It's one of those things, you know. If, if you want the heritage and the and the soul and the conviviality and the community, then mm-hmm. I think that's you've got you've got to work around the you know the the idiosyncrasies that get th- thrown at you.
0: Definitely, um, yeah. So
2: it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, from from a business perspective, you know, I'm constantly like, how fewer times can we touch that bottle from it being produced to go into you know? There's that whole maths. Yeah, trying to shorten the production element of it um, uh, which, which bringing it down here will do considerably um, but we'll still have that artisan element you know you still seen every bottle is touched bottle by at least touched.
3: two or three people <laughs> yeah. you know so from filling yeah, from to filling. just the on the filling
2: line yes. one yeah. person's
3: filling that's not the same person that's going to be labeling it at the end there's usually at least two of us sometimes three on the bottling line
2: yeah so with with the new bottle and the new products that you've you You've seen the secrets in development uh, that are coming <laughs> it's out. Very soon. exciting! Uh, <laughs> uh, you'll de- having this room down here will just be amazing. Mm. You know, it will save us two person days a week labour. Yeah. You know, you're straight in with a forklift truck for the glass. Um, two minutes for one person. Two minutes for one person. Yeah. What and difference of, that'll yeah, be? Yeah, which is just insane. And it's taken us a while to sort out uh, down here, and it's uh, we're almost there. Um, we've got the ceiling and the floors to sort out now, and a bit more painting, but it'll be it'll be a great addition and give us so much more versatility and scope for growth. You know, I always thought the still maybe stopping us from growing as, as fast mm-hmm. as we could, but it's not at all. It's the it's the physical space of uh, handling
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, bigger volumes of, of stock coming through and going out. So, and I'm sure in two years' time we'll have run out of space <laughs> here yeah, as well. You know, a- yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, what's but, one of, been one of your highlights then, would you say, sort of, just throughout the journey? Like, maybe you both have a different highlight.
3: You go first, I have to think.
2: <laughs> uh, mine is being in a bar and hearing someone order one of my gyms. Oh, but that's fantastic. The first and time time I And just sitting there that. smiling, and it's like, yeah, I made
3: that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that, you know, was that was that amazing. Me every of time, it's <laughs> just a total rush, that. just like, yeah. And they don't know who. Well, sometimes they do because they're wearing branded <laughs> gear and stuff like that. But we didn't uh, have
3: branded gear the first yeah, time. The first
2: time it was in the clothes shop. Think, it was wasn't in it? the shop. Uh, yeah, under yeah, the in Walkley, previous. Yeah, orders. yeah, which was uh, fun. But every you know, so when, when you're in that environment, that's 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 fantastic. That's the best reward. We don't specifically go out. Well, we don't uh, out of choice enter any competitions. There's a lot of. Um,
3: Gold labels and
1: double gold double labels. Gold
2: labels and, and triple gold labels. <laughs> and
3: triple quadruple platinum, platinum winners. <laughs> what,
1: what, uh, um, um, you said that to us, like they didn't win the competitions because they didn't enter them. And it was like the big brands that kind of entered these competitions
2: because oh, they can afford to go and enter I
1: them. And,
2: uh, there, is, there is a cost element to it yeah. uh, from entering and sam- sending sampling stock. You know, usually, certainly some of the bigger competitions, you've got to send six bottles or something like that you're shipping it from here to like San Francisco or something. There's so sort of feedback so and really the bigger brands
1: almost, doesn't it?
2: It is a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you, so you got paid to enter, get stuff there. If you win, you, you know, you've then got to have labels printed and stick them all in your bottle. If, if you want to, yeah. yeah. You have to pay,
3: and you have to pay for the labels. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there, is, the there,
2: there is, there's cost all the way down the line. And, and really I've always said, you know, my, Gold my label. best gold medal or double gold medal, or whatever, is hearing someone order one of my gins or knowing someone has come up to you at a festival or something and say, Yeah, this is my 11th bottle of your gin this year. <laughs> uh, you know, that's better than any gold medal, yeah, you know, hearing absolutely. that repetition someone's yeah, really part, of and someone's really falling in love with it. And they know that. I mean, we're really passionate about it, and I think that comes across, uh, you know, when, when we're at events, things like that, um, you know, talking about it and the master classes and any kind of PR stuff that we do. I think people really kind of buy into the how passionate we are about what we're doing and,
0: and the story behind it as well yeah. that's what we we really liked the story behind the gym i think it was cambridge gym festival where yeah. I've, forgotten oh, I've forgotten the, the name, name of uh, the t- you weren't there i don't I think, think it was james, james. Was it james? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah and his passion for it yeah. was just that that's just what sucked us in straight yeah. away it was yeah yeah and, and, we and are, if you we can get your team passionate about it yeah, passionate I mean, that's, about it. Yeah. that's yeah.
2: I think we're all proud of what we do and what we make which i mean when we we, we all go to events all of us do events at some point and, and that comes across you know and hopefully at some point this year we're going to start doing distillery visits like after hours and we might even do like a loxley social or something mm. some kind of thing like that once a month or once every couple mm. of months uh, you know have, open up for drinks and, uh, and things have people down and the guys i have no doubt that they're going to be, you know, when you hear them talk to people coming around when they're visiting, you know, <laughs> just drop-ins, they're really passionate about it and it comes yeah. across. That must it's be like a really proud like feeling that, yeah. as well, to yeah. sort of feel
3: that they're so behind the brand.
0: And
2: absolutely, uh, yeah. We're
3: very, very lucky with our employees. Everything
2: happens for a reason, yes, I think. Yes, absolutely. And that's, I mean, for us, for me as, uh, or for us as business owners, I think that is, uh, you've got to kind of grab things as they come at you. Things do happen for a reason, you yeah. know. Uh, employees walk through the door. You don't even know it's going to, be going to be a future employee, you know, and, uh, and um, you know, it's, uh, it's being in the right place at the right time. There's a luck element to it as well, I think. Um, but certainly, I'm a great believer that things do happen for a reason, yeah. I
1: think that's just something that people don't necessarily appreciate in, in business as much. There is tons and tons and tons of hard work, there's always hard work, yeah. But there is definitely an element of luck oh, yeah. as well being yeah. in the right place at the right time, absolutely. making the right thing at the right time, yeah. Can really make the
2: difference. Yeah. yeah, and it's, you know, people ask us all the time, what's next? And it's like, oh, I don't really know. <laughs> you know we have you some know, plans, see, but that might not you can be you see what's stuff next. bubbling under the surface in certain category sectors, you know, mezcals and rums and tequilas are, are, are hugely popular, certainly in the States and probably in, in London, I'm guessing mm-hmm. at the moment as well. You know, but it's, um, we're such a small company, we don't have to be reactive to the industry we can be more proactive about what we're doing now. I mean, at the gym five years ago, as I said, this the whole thing hadn't happened, happened and, and we were doing it because we were passionate about it. I think if, if that comes across in everything that we make uh, and we can launch at least one brand or two brands a year, you know, we'll be where in, in, in 20 years' time, where I envisage us being in 20 years' time. It, it, we've got a long way to go for sure, but, um, but we're not doing something for the sake of doing something. Uh, yeah, I know what of, you mean. You're not just jumping on
0: a bandwagon, not isn't Chasing, it? Yeah. 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 How did you get your name out there at the beginning? Because everyone I speak to over the last couple of years has heard of you. They've <laughs> In Sheffield, particularly, they, they know of your gin, they've tried your gin. It's in all the independent shops around Sheffield. Is it just from creating a quality product? Is it from really, really good social media or a combination of
3: everything? Um, I don't think it's from very good social media
0: because we're not great at it it's a,
2: it's a <laughs> we're getting better at that. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think it is a combination of everything It's first and foremost it's burning shoe leather mm. You know, so you're going around talking to people and getting out there and physically getting in front of retailers and bar owners and what have you just saying can you try this tell me what you think yeah. they don't like it, and a bit they don't like of it. luck
3: it. again there with meeting again, yeah. the right you know, not the yeah. right people but some of the right people like you know Barry and Jeff at Starmore Boss were very early supporters of ours and they have they supply to a lot of local restaurants and pubs as well so Uh they do a bit of sales for us indirectly they you know when it was a new product they brought it to places and said you should try this it's made it's a Sheffield brand you should try it and get it on your menu so we had them working for us and then we also were lucky with friends that work that run Thornbridge and so all the Thornbridge pubs were very early on to carry it so having it just recognizable and because it is so recognizable i think because yeah, the, like that the green yeah that. the green just jumps off you, you can scan a bar very quickly and know if it's there or not you know As yes, we do yeah <laughs> yeah excellent that's good to know
2: yeah i mean the whole impact design the design element um is is really key but then having something that's resellable mm-hmm. you know you got people coming like i said you know this year I had some guy in I think it was like seventh or eighth bottle of gin this year. I didn't <laughs> like <problem> there, <laughs> no, he doesn't have a problem. <laughs>
3: but it's,
2: you know, if you, you can make something as beautiful as you want, um, and work with great designers, and, and, and it, that, that, that side of it, I feel is easier to reach um, a good end goal. Um, but having the the liquid uh, is key. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there at the moment which is okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it's um, Mentioning like, you, you, you can you, you can buy a beautiful bottle once, but if it tastes like rubbish, they're not going back for that second bottle. Right. Um, you know, so that's been really important. Well, is the it is the kind of I would say heart of the business, really? You know, you see a lot of other brands putting stuff out every week. They're doing something new. There's this coming out. There's that coming out. But there's very little research. There's very little development. Um, and tweaking and tweaking.
3: This is almost there. Yeah. We've had a couple of this is almost there, but it's not ready yet, so we're not yeah. going to launch it yet. So we've got several things percolating in the background. The two that you tasted we feel are there and they're ready, but we've got a couple of other things that are not quite there yet, but yeah. they will be, but it's going to take a little, a little more work. Time. Yeah, so they'll,
1: yeah, they'll, um, they'll But we're not going to rush officially. it and put
3: it in because it's something that yeah. You want
0: yeah. to put a quality products out yeah. so that people are buying it again, not yeah. just.
2: You don't
1: need to rush it either, really, do you? You're under no pressure to be producing new products. No, product. yeah.
2: So. Yeah. no I'm not, you know, I I'm firmly stand behind any, anything that we put out being top quality and, um, and really well done.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, maybe I'm a taste snob, I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> in terms of what I'm actually drinking and, and I think it's good tasting, to know what you like. And you, you don't have to be like that. I just think I, I think I am because of the industry that I'm in and, and have been for a long time. But it's definitely important for us to, to stand behind it and know that it's as best we can possibly make something.
0: And yeah, no gimmicks. Uh, there seems to be a lot of interesting gimmicky ideas about which you walk past and you think, oh, what, that's... A weird idea or that's a bit of a novelty it's, t- it's partially mm-hmm. to it's do not with got the licensing. legs for life
2: yeah i mean if you look at and it's partially to do you're going back to what how you know the gin scene in the states and the gimmicks that are here it's all to do with the licensing in, in, in america you can go and you can get a distiller's license and that's it you can make whiskey you can make gin you can make whatever you want that's mm. spirit based from the get-go because there's just one license here you've got different levels of license most craft gin distillers in this country at the moment are compounders and rectifiers, so all they can make is gin or infused or compounded soaked uh, spirits, vodka, uh, vodkas, and that kind of thing. Yeah, so um, so there is a limit to what you can do uh, here. So there are people, you know, trying to, to, to push the envelope, if you like, of, of what they can do with that license. Whereas in the States, you have that. So I think that is why America hasn't got the same gin resurgence because they can make whiskey you can make you know, whatever they want from the get-go. So there's not such a focus on that. Whereas here, because of the licensing, there is.
0: And well, that's um, really interesting. And that's the,
2: that's the direction you've got to go in. It's totally accidental for me. I just happen to be really passionate about gin yeah. and love gin. Uh, and that's why I'm making gin. There are a lot of people are making gin because that's what the licence says you can do. And they also then have seen, you know, the resurgence over the last three years and jumping on the bandwagon a little bit. So... <laughs> They'll come a tipping point. Don't know when it's going to be, but the, you know I think the the, the gin world will change a little bit, and people will, you know, certainly stick to the brands that they that, that, that are good. You know, there's there's a qualitative qualitative element to it. I think uh, some people that aren't doing good things uh, will flail a little bit, and uh, you know I think you'll see the people that are really the survivors. Um, floating on top of the surface, it cut me out. Probably another two or three years away from that happening, the tipping point, but I think it's going to get there at some point. Yeah. So, yeah, make good stuff. Yeah, I think <laughs> if you've enough, got a quality
0: so, product and when someone has such a strong passion behind yeah. their brand and their business, yeah. I think that shines through yeah. from yeah. everywhere from social media to just word of mouth mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, so, what is going on in the year ahead? Are you at any events? Are there any new products? What
2: so yeah I mean, we out for... all over the place events wise I mean we've got there's, there's five that's there's full time now plus f- uh, f- three or four more events sales staff so um, so we're doing probably three to four events a weekend oh wow um, plus stuff in the week so I mean it is I don't think James sleeps <laughs> <laughs>
0: is there anything um, in Sheffield
3: coming up any events here the Sheffield
0: Food the Festival, Sheffield Festival at the end up, of May, May.
2: Uh, there is a gin and rum Festival coming up. I
3: think we're doing that, I'm not 100% yeah. sure we're doing um, that one, but at Trafalgar Warehouse.
2: Yeah, uh, the various tastings, you know, whether it be small or large, you know, we did uh, last weekend I was at um, a Mystery Gym Festival in Penniston, which was good fun, few, 200 people, but then we'll do, you know, uh, something much bigger, 1000, 2000 people. So. All events, all shapes and sizes, really, all over Often the country. Often we're
3: at, like, Majestics, just for in-store tastings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did an in-store tasting at Starmore Boss, just there chatting with people. So there's always little bits like yeah. that around. Doing CarFest this year, doing... Yeah. That's not in Sheffield, but another big...
2: Over in Cheshire, yeah. Yeah. So, Very yeah, all over the place. Thing. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, and then exciting things happening with the product. Yeah, there's the new bottle, which is... Mm-hmm. Smashing.
3: Smashing. <laughs> 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 anyway.
2: Uh, Which has been in—I mean, that's been in the pipeline for about eighteen months. Oh,
0: really? So it's a
2: long process, yeah. So we're dead excited that that's just come out. It looks Um, really good. It does look stunning. It's quite a a subtle difference. I mean, we were—we were were really aware that we got a strong, such a strong brand. We didn't want to want to do anything with the green or the art. So whatever we did with the bottle had to envelop that, uh, and uh, and still have that nice strong but classic element to it. I think the the bottle manufacturer did a fantastic job. Absolutely, Um, it's really tactile as well. So you you know, when you see photographs of it, it doesn't really do it full justice. You have to pick a bottle up. Definitely, yeah. I'll have to put a link to the video
1: in the uh, show notes. Yes. For anyone who didn't get the previous joke, the uh, smashing joke was from the old bottle being smashed on the very floor we're now standing on, uh, and then reassembling into the new bottle (laughs) as it comes back up again. Uh, It was subtle. I had to watch it a couple of times before I realised what the changes were, but. Yeah, it's a it's a good little video and a good little kind of promotion. Yeah, for the yeah, definitely.
0: Thing. And did you just fancy shaking things up a bit with the new bottle or?
2: No, it was, was um, it... you know t- when we were talking about it. I mean, already two years ago, there were probably then six or seven other brands in the same bottle that we were in as a stock <laughs> as a stock recipe, you know, as a stock bottle.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So we were buying labels. from a French yeah. company, and we actually bought started that the. the, the, the the initial design was done as, as the French company had developed that bottle. So there was us uh, and Whitley Neill uh, in it from the get go, and then everyone jumped in on it because they could buy it. You know, <laughs> yeah, they yeah, could it was buy accessible. this wicked bottle. It was accessible as long as you're buying a power, which is twelve hundred bottles or whatever. You know, anyone could get it. So very quickly, the gin shells became crowded. Well, not just gin shelves. So vodkas, rums. You know, everyone was using the same bottle as us, and we just thought, you know, what we need something a bit. Yeah, it's very cool. So kind
1: of when you have the ability to have that slight distinctness because it, it yeah. makes you much more credible, I think, to the...
2: the yeah, yeah, so we wanted the, the the design element of the bottle to be generic in the sense we can put other products in it and, and help to keep everything in the same Loxley family, which is key to the bottle design. But we wanted to move away from that generic shape that I went into the supermarket at Christmas, it's just just gone, uh, and there were 16 other Brand, all in that design. In that, yeah. that shape. Oh yeah. And if you put a couple of bottles in between, you don't really notice it because the, the you know the packaging, the rest of the packaging, whether it's screen printed or a label or whatever, so distinctively different, no one really notices. It's weird.
3: But when you line uh, but them up. then when you line them
2: all up and on you know, like, and I would go in Tesco's and just re-arrange Play with people. Just rearrange <laughs> things a little bit. And you know there were I think there were sixteen other sixteen other drinks brands in the same glass bottle. It's been in the process for for a long time. It's not a straightforward process, it's expensive, but it's something that we'd wanted to do when we got to the right kind of volumes.
3: And we think about more things now that we didn't really think about bartenders and we didn't think about... Because it was a shorter, wider bottle, so it fit on a shelf in a retailer, but it's just not as easy. I mean, pouring a glass at home is nothing, but when you're pouring it over and over again, it's it's a narrower glass, just nicer to pour from but we didn't want to go so narrow and tall that it would no <laughs> longer be appealing to the retailers
2: so who have lower shelves that you so yeah it's fine balance it. between on trade and off trade yeah, yeah for well, sure. I think
0: the new one looks really good yeah, and even yeah. like like you said to pick it up and hold it and look yeah. at it in real life it's
2: really tactile yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It, it looks really and it's very you yeah. like I think your bottle always stood out anyway because of the branding like you said mm. yourselves yeah. but the with the box. new shape yeah, yeah with yeah. the new shape it just kind of it elevates it a little bit from yeah. everybody else I'm very Yeah. I think, does, yeah. And that
2: was, yeah. <laughs> I think there'll be more you know, there are more and more brands going into their own bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's you know, that's only nature of the business is people right. get up to those volumes, they can afford to do it and the glass companies are willing to take a risk on whether that company can turn that volume over a couple of years or not. So right. uh, other things, we've got new products coming out, mm-hmm. new products in development. We've got two things coming imminently.
0: Hopefully by June. Yeah. Is there anywhere particular that people should be looking to keep an eye out for that? Like Local. a website yeah, or they're,
2: social
3: they're media? we definitely be doing it on social media. Yeah, social media, social media, media first, probably. Website usually yeah. lags behind a couple of days, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, Small and, business. Uh, but then Many to, to, We're doing a variation of one of them, which will be super limited to about 300 bottles. The main kind of line on that will be more available over a wider kind of network, I guess.
3: So our original Sir Robin of Luxley will be constantly available and yeah. one of our new products will be as available as that. Mm-hmm. And then the second new product will be limited and the variation on the other new product will be limited. So that's yeah. sort a spectrum, of, interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Make sure you keep an eye out for them because we've, we've tasted them and they're really tasty, aren't they? Oh, they're yeah. really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thank so thank we're you. looking forward to those. Launching. Yeah, we're
2: looking forward to Yeah, you know, it's not... The company's always been about developing as a distillery, really, not, not just making gin. Even though we're passionate about gin, I'm passionate about drinking. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so, a lot we'll, of people, It's, <laughs> it's um, you know, I've got a very clear, focused vision on, on, on where I want to be in 15, 20 years um, with the distillery and what we'll be doing then. We will be bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And doing more different products—it's not just about gin and other other things. It's about the whole scope and the whole range of things. You know, the success of I think Sir Robin has been great because we can build Mm -hmm. on what we're doing. You know, I would hate to be starting out as a new gin distiller now. Really,
1: Mm -hmm. it's a tough market now,
2: isn't
0: it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I can't imagine walking into. A restaurant or a bar or a retailer and saying, "Hey, I've got new gin." <laughs> yeah, they no really just go, more, no more. Yeah, you know, I think there's a point where um, uh, if it's not really, really good, well, there's no point. I in think difference. that's
3: why there's so many gimmicks. Now it's yeah. because that's they're like looking, the twist, and that's what makes that, them different. You, unique selling yeah. point,
2: which is I think is what why that we're successful with it because we had that initially from right. that, from the start. You know, we we didn't want to make a dry gin. Every gin still you see on the market at the moment is making a dry gin. So like, why do you want to make a dry gin? There's another thousand of them out there. You can do other things with it within the same category that are vastly different. You know, the will I think that will have a kind of cycle. And, um, some kind of impact on the tipping point mm-hmm. and when it happens. It must be frightening to give up everything to set up a distillery uh, and then, you know, make something that people just don't want any more of mm. and, you know, it's um, But I'm sure it's going to happen at some point to some people. Mm. So.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, it's been really interesting hearing about your journey. We've just got two more questions that we ask everyone. So, Uh -uh. have you got... (laughs) They're not... Well, okay. So, what one piece of advice each would you give to an aspiring entrepreneur?
3: Just a general... Have contingency plans. (laughs) Yeah. Because you can have the best laid plans, but your contingency plans need contingency plans.
2: (laughs) Yeah, just... I think that's... Yeah, just be prepared and roll with it. You know, grab the... uh, grab the look as it passes you and things that you need that pop up totally accidentally, you know, roll with it and go with it. But yeah, make... Um,
3: write a business plan. Make,
2: write a business plan, for sure. And when you're writing a business plan, try and think of, like Cynthia said, the spots on the spots on the spots, things that can go wrong <laughs> and then things that can go wrong to so the plans that you put in place to the things that have gone wrong. Yeah. If that makes any sense. <laughs> Just because, be ready, yeah. Know, we've had. If it can go wrong in business, it generally will try and keep things simple, try not to overcomplicate things. Uh, When we started out with the Robin we were trying to hit the US market and the UK market at the same time and that delayed us by uh, over a year. Uh, and we would have been the first Yorkshire distillery, damn Masons! <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if you look at our incorporation date, the company of incorporation is way, way ahead of Masons. Oh, uh, really?
3: The regulations on an American label are stricter than they are on a British label, to the the font size, to this part has oh. to be in all caps and bold, but this part needs to be in all caps, but not bold. And and the size of the percentage of alcohol in relation to the size of the name of the product and where things have to be. So we were making sure that our label complied Taking with boxes. the American market and we could have gotten it launched here well before oh, then. Yeah, absolutely. So, but we didn't know that, was, again, we didn't know the research that was going to happen here. We were aiming for the American market and hoping that it would catch on here as well. Little did
2: we know. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, if you read our initial business plan, it was uh, you know it was almost it wasn't designed specifically as an export gin, but you know I think we would have probably looked at the business when we set it up, thinking maybe we'll we'll do forty percent in the UK, sixty percent in the US. Mm-hmm. But we uh, knew people 50, there; 50. we had connections. Yeah, so there. yeah, so know, it just, I mean, made, I mean, just I mean, made sense. It's mean, it flipped on its head totally. Oh, wow.
3: Contingency um, plans. Yeah, yeah, there you <laughs> go. So, um, there
2: you go. Just try and think laterally beyond the box you know and yeah i mean it's you know, figure out what could, can go wrong and how you can next question double guess yourself <laughs> yeah. finally you <laughs> what is your favorite
0: like midnight snack when you're stressed out and you're working on something what is your favorite midnight snack yours are biscuits
3: probably
0: right yeah biscuits. i'm total biscuit fiend
3: what type of biscuit Any. anything anything <laughs> <laughs> that's oh,
0: probably salted popcorn yeah Sal- oh, that's popcorn. a good one yeah. i like salty things have you if tried I,
3: marmite yet i have tried marmite i do and he doesn't i like twiglets those are oh, good those are will great. definitely yeah. if i don't have popcorn those will fall <laughs> <on the whole. laughs> like <a> <laughs> yeah i didn't know about it well yeah. thank you very a much you like them. Them. yeah
0: and <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people find you and where can they find sir robin of
2: Uh, So Omavossi is now kind of in most, it's it's independent retail, small farm shops, delis, traditional wine merchants, Majestic is probably about as big as uh, we've gone. Are
3: you online?
0: Online, Mm
2: -hmm. yeah.
3: Direct from us on our website, but also on our website you can find local retailers if you put your postcode in and find the one that's closest to you.
2: We do have now a national distributor, we started working with a national distributor about 18 months, two years ago. So you can find it all over the country. It's not just limited to Sheffield. And if you have a look on our locations page, it's like the net has widened. Considerably. We'll link
3: that down below. Um, and social media handles.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, Loxley Still on Twitter. Yeah. And Loxley Distilling on Facebook and Instagram.
2: Is and Sir heard? Robin of Loxley Gin on Facebook.
3: Oh, and Sir Robin of Luxley Gin on Facebook. Yeah. Excellent.
2: I yeah. well, we'll link
0: everything yeah. down below. And thank you for getting involved with this. Yeah, for um, having us. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. It's been and awesome
2: to see you guys again,
0: yeah. Definitely. And we'll link your original Behind the Biz interview in the show notes yeah. so that people can go back and see sort of the, the beginning of your journey and, and you how you. where
1: you are now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. exciting.
3: Okay, yeah. Thank, you. Yeah.
0: thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
3: <laughs> Bye.
0: <laughs> Bye. <laughs> thank you for listening. We hope you really enjoyed it. There are more interviews in the pipeline, so make sure you subscribe and we'll see you next week.
1: Indeed. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.